Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. This is the first official Pewter Post game show of the 2023 season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And unfortunately, we have to start it off. With a tough-looking game, the Bucs fell to the Steelers in their preseason home opener by a score of 27-17 to with one of those touchdowns coming pretty late in the game. But there is a lot to break down from beginning to end, so let's get into all of it. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Scott Reynolds will be joining us in a little bit. He is live from Rame James Stadium. So with me for the time being, for this whole show, I'm very Lucky and happy to have on the show with you, my colleague from PeterReport.com, Josh Capo. Josh, you staying up, man? It's uh, That was a little bit of a brutal one to get through. <laughs> it was sloppy, that's for sure. You know, uh, I think there was more remnants of last year's offense than I would care to want to see. It's the best way I can characterize <laughs> it. I know exactly what you're talking about because there is certainly – uh, a specific down and distance that really, really hurt the Bucks in uh, tonight's game. But I guess it's one of those things you can only go uh, upwards from here, especially in that department. Just uh, we'll break down a lot of this, but for the time being, just give me your initial overview slash thoughts about um, what we just saw. Yeah, I'll start with kind of the number one storyline from Bucks camp, which is the quarterback battle. Um I think Baker, you know, first couple drives, he was just kind of, it was hard for him to overcome the penalties, right? There were quite a yeah. few penalties to start that off, but he finished up really, really strong. Um, what was it? Like six of eight, if I remember. I'm sorry, eight of nine. Yeah, eight of nine, yeah. For 63 yards, and he ended up with that really nice touchdown in the back of the cor- back corner of the end zone to Trey Palmer. Um, so I definitely think he uh, showed himself very well in his debut. Um, and I would say he did outperform Trask. I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see Kyle Trask push the ball down the field a little bit. A um, couple of uh, explosive plays, a couple of them where he created some yak or, or the scheme created some yak for the receivers. But he also pushed the ball down the field. He did have one interception. Yeah. And I think both quarterbacks showed fairly well. I think the offensive scheme showed what it is capable of. You had um, quite a few runs that for good gains. You just won't see it on the box score because – Exactly. They were all negated by holding penalties. <laughs> um, and then you you did see receivers open in space where they were able to not only make a catch, but make a move and, and gain some additional yardage. So all the kind of baseline factors that Bucks fans would probably be looking for from a positive sign were there. Wide receiver depth looked really nice. Um, but then, you know, we, we do have to talk about why it ended up being 27 to 17 and it wasn't even that close. Yeah, The penalties were ridiculous. The lack of discipline on defense when it came to tackling was ridiculous. Gap control. Zion McCollum has not learned how to be the outside leverage man in the run game uh, now uh, a year on from from his rookie season. Um, So a lot of sloppy play that was just uh, it was tough to watch. You know, Scott said in the uh, in the group chat, "End this game now." Yeah, and I think we were like three <laughs> minutes into the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, I want to get, and we'll go through all of this. Um, I do want to get back to 
Baker and Kyle Trask specifically, because that's the number one thing Bucks fans want to know, or at least want to talk about, you know, going through the rest of this training camp and the preseason. But also, we do have a super chat right out of the gate, and of course, let's if you go chat us. You get to cut the line. We answer your question almost immediately or as soon as possible. And of course, we can't avoid this because of. It was one of the biggest storylines of the game is Bucks Basement with the $5 Super Chat. Thank you very much, Bucks Basement. They say, I've had enough of the, in quotations, ice eater. I think he means glass, glass eater. eater. He's yeah. a bust. If he's struggling against back backups, what's going to happen when he faces starting pass rushers? Yeah, I think that was one of the most concerning things, Josh, was not even that Luke Etike allowed a sack. It was that he played into the third quarter and was was allowing these sacks against, you know, the third, fourth round picks of the um, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Herbig had a couple in the game, and this is something I've kind of been talking about for a little bit on the podcast, where the Bucks are putting all of their eggs in the Luke Gedeke basket when it comes to him playing at right tackle. And I just personally was not convinced of the fact that oh. He played one good game in a meaningless game against the Atlanta Falcons in the final game of the regular season last year. And up, oh, let's wipe our hands clean of it. He's great. He's going to be the starting right tackle with no issues at all. It really reared its ugly head tonight in a preseason game with a lot of playing time for Luke Gedeke. And uh, this man tweeted about Luke Gedeke. We talked about him in the uh, in the group chat as well. Scott Reynolds is now on the show. Scott, your initial thoughts to a uh, pretty ugly game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Scott, uh, Scott we muted. are not hearing you. What it is, is he wants to talk about Gedeke and everything that he wants to say is not allowed to be aired. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That, that's exactly what it is. I'll fill, I'll fill the time while Scott's trying to figure his speakers. So, uh, Matt, I did want to ask you, are you a Charles Dickens fan? Uh, was that a tale of two cities? I'm going to give you a tale of two halves. So, all right. All right. So Gedeke's, his, his struggles, struggles really, really came, came in, in, in the, in the second, second half, half when the, when the, the Steelers, Steelers put in, put in uh, Nick, uh, Herbig. Nick Herbig. And, and Herbig really turned out, out to be a dude. A dude. Um, um, I'm going to try and get a little bit of positivity. Gedeke looked pretty decent. I'm not going to say great. In the first half, and that was against a backup. So there is the caveat. There should be lots of concern uh, for the regular season when, when he starts, starts going, going up against, against real, real starting, starting pass rushers. But I think but it I may think not it may be, not quite, be quite, quite as bad. bad as the initial reactions. Now, Scott Reynolds is going to tell you why I'm wrong. Well, I, I think that Luke Gedeke is going to struggle with those edge rushers, right? I yep, mean, those yep. speedy guys. And, and having the 32-inch arms doesn't help because when you have 34, 35-inch arms, it gives you a little bit more runway to kind of wheel those speed rushers around, even if you lose technique. So I, I'm, I'm concerned. Didn't play that well in the run game. At the same time, this is kind of what preseason's for. Yeah. Since Central Michigan, he's had exactly one game at right tackle, and that was against the Atlanta Falcons, and he played okay there. But, yeah, I agree. I, I think once Herbig got in the game, that speed really presented with some, him with some problems. And, and you know, um, 
maybe you see more Brandon Walton at right tackle uh, going forward. Maybe he gets a shot. Uh, I one of the things that I wrote about with Dave Canales uh, in in the the five things that Canales needs to really do. And this is in an SR's Fab Five uh, later this, or I guess it's probably July when I wrote it. Is don't be afraid to pull the plug on Luke Gedeke. Don't wait. If it's not working, it's not working, right? We waited too long to see the Buccaneers pull the plug on Gedeke last year. He lasted until week eight against the, well, actually, it was, I guess, week seven against Carolina. You were there for that game where they started to rotate in Nick Leverett. And every series Nick Leverett was in, the Bucs were better. <laughs> and every series they put Gedeke back in, it was back to like, you know, not being good. So, uh, they waited too long the first time with Gedeke. And if he just doesn't excel there, maybe you try Matt Filer, maybe you try Brandon Walton. But this is this is an experiment that, that needs to be short-term and maybe just the preseason. And you give him the preseason. If it doesn't work out, then you go to Filer and Walton and you shuffle the deck a little bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Leverett back at left guard. Right. If you kick Filer out to right tackle, not saying Filer could do a better job at right tackle. We'll see. He's getting up there in age. And there's a reason, I think, why he was moved inside by the Chargers a couple of years ago. So it bears watching. Not a good debut at all for Luke Edeke at right tackle tonight. Yeah, I was excited when Filer was signed that he could be potentially the right tackle and give Leverett that left left guard shot. Did not seem like the Bucs had that as a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll see. We'll see how it how it uh, fares going forward with the Jets. He's going to get two practices, the joint practices with the Jets, as well as the game. This is going to be a big week for the Buccaneers, uh, more so even than this, this Steelers game tonight, which is just disappointing, right? Because you're trying to gauge how good or bad this Buccaneer team is. And they're just nobody in terms of the starters outside of Gedeke and and Robert Hainsey, who might be your week one starter at center, and and Cody Malk, outside of those guys, and Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, one of those two will start at quarterback. We just didn't get a chance to see any of the starters out there to really kind of have that measuring stick game. Well, how, how do they fare against the Steelers starters? Yeah. Right? We didn't get that opportunity. The Steelers drove down the field on, on a Buccaneer backup defense and scored easily. Missed tackles galore. Penalties galore. 12 for 127. You know, you look at, at the at, at the Bucks running game, right? They tried to get it going 66 yards, but then there's a 12-yard Keyshawn Vaughn run called back due to, to a, a penalty. There's a 20-yard Chase Edmonds run called back due to a penalty. There's a 12-yard touchdown run for Sean Tucker called back due to a penalty. You add all that up, that's uh, what, 44 yards of offense on the ground that was called back. So that's 44 rushing yards off the board right there. And not just that, but now you're in, in uh, now you're behind the sticks, right? You're in second and long, third and long. Now you can't run the ball. So you're taking away opportunities to get those, those yards on the ground. So um, I think the stat sheet will say the Bucks didn't do a good job of running the ball. And, and I think that's fair. At the same time, you look at, the fact that that he's um, you know Sean Tucker made some big plays, and I think too you look at uh, Chase Edmonds, he ran the ball pretty well, but their biggest runs were called back. Yeah, yeah. Th there was there um, was, um, there was a there moment, was a moment like, like earlier, earlier in the game, in the game first, first half, half, where like, where, like the, offensive the offensive line, line 
they were starting they were to get, starting a, push. To get a push. We saw we it with, saw like, it Chase, with like Edmund. Chase Edmund. We, we saw it as soon as Chase Edmonds got into the game. Like, they actually started moving the ball a, a little bit more. And it was just really – if I'm looking at, like, if I'm stacking the running backs right now, I, I think it's – obviously Rashad White is one. Chase Edmonds showed a lot more juice when he was, like, when he was in the game. So I, I would put Chase Edmonds as, like, the second running back. Uh, Sean Tucker looked great as well, just breaking some tackles. There were so many moments where, uh, like, you know, he would have been tackled for a two, three-yard loss, and then he was just able to break tackles, make big plays. And then, as Scott just mentioned, the, uh, you know, the the touchdown that was called back. And then I'm putting Keyshawn Vaughn as the fourth. I just – I there is nothing that Keyshawn Vaughn brings to the table. I know the Bucs have been optimistic about what he does, but there was nothing that Keyshawn Vaughn really – has brought to the table in my eyes, just watching him that says this guy is anything more than a running back three or a running back four. And maybe we could see more from Keyshawn Vaughn if the offensive line didn't struggle so much. And I think who that really hurt the most was Kyle Trask more than anyone else, because Baker, when he was in, we saw the bread and butter from Dave Canals. It was well, clearly very run heavy when it was working and then play action roll Baker out, hit a wide open, you know, Devin Tompkins or Trey Palmer and, and things of that nature. So um, just at Baker did a, that's one of Baker's strengths is being able to throw on the run. He did a great job too, because a lot of those rollouts were to the left side where he's, you know, he's on his opposite side and was still able to fire off a pass with Kyle Trask. They didn't really show that or run that as much. So Trask was just stuck as a traditional pocket passer, and that's why he got sacked two or three times, whatever it was. So I think uh, the Bucs clearly didn't do this on purpose, but the play calling was way more beneficial to Baker Mayfield than it was for Kyle Trask, Josh. And I'm curious to get your opinion on this because we know Baker can throw on the run. He's been able to do that multiple times in his career. I was a little more concerned with what Baker was going to do standing in the traditional pocket. But then his touchdown pass was standing in the pocket and throwing it to Trey Palmer, where Kyle Trask, we saw him run all over the place at practice, but he kind of was just more in a pocket presence than actually doing a QB waggle and and uh, moving as much in, in practice. Did you see it that way? Yeah, I, I think you had a really good point in terms of like the play calling was a little bit different for each quarterback and, and Dave Canales kind of actually alluded to that um, on the Salty Dogs podcast a couple days ago. Um, he was asked, you know, are you going to be able to call the game the same for the two? And he made a really good point that, you know, they have different strengths and they can probably run about 75 to 80 percent of the playbook between the two um, without adjusting. But then there's somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of the playbook where maybe they would call it for Baker, but not for Kyle. Or maybe they would call it for Kyle, but not for Baker. Um, and I think you kind of saw that in how those calls were were enacted. And you can see some variations of that offense based on who's running it. Um, I do think that, you know, um, Canales did a really good job of kind of playing to Baker's strengths for those first few drives. To your point, getting him rolling out. But that also, it halves the field, right? So he's got a single field or a half field read usually two receivers moving to the sidelines, it's a lot harder to throw a pick in that situation. Baker's not great in the middle of the field, and he didn't have to do a lot of middle-of-the-field reads. So they'd absolutely played to his strengths, and you can see what Baker can do 
when things are played to his strengths. And I think Trask actually equated himself pretty well. I know he had the one pick, um, but overall he pushed the, the ball down the field, which has been kind of the the big knock on him this preseason. It's so funny. The, the narrative on Kyle Trask this preseason has been, or training camp has been, um, he's made great decisions. He hasn't turned the ball over, but he hasn't pushed the ball down the field. Well, he pushed the ball down the field, but he also had a turnover. Uh, I don't know how much of it was totally on him, but um, but it was interesting. I think Baker definitely won the day, though. Well, yeah, and, and also, too, with Trask, he was unfortunate. Either he got the pass off too quickly or Payne Durham didn't get his head turned around. Yep. Payne Durham is still running with the ball if he if he catches it. Uh, it was a, you know, Trask was under siege a little bit. He was under pressure. The pocket was collapsing. He throws a great pass it was it was a great play call by dave canales the tight end slipped out and Payne durham was wide open and he had to throw it maybe half a second before Payne durham was was ready to look around but got every head in the swivel especially when they're bringing pressure and that would have been a huge pass play because Payne durham although he's not the fleetest of foot was wide open and there was a receiver and, and a and a db down the field could have gotten a block. That's probably at least a 20, if not a 20, 30, 40, 50 yard pass play. They could have been on, on Kyle Trask's stat sheet, but instead it was an incompletion because there's not enough time and timing between the throw and uh, and the, the catch opportunity from, from Payne Durham, who did have, end up with the touchdown yeah. from John Wolford to, to cap off a pretty remarkable drive. Um, you know, I don't know how much stock fans want to put in it but we've kind of been saying that since since otas john wolford is actually a damn good third string quarterback mm -hmm. i mean he's he's uh he's better than most third string quarterbacks and that and you, that shouldn't even mean anything you shouldn't even have to think about your third string quarterback right i mean nobody in kansas city's thinking about their third string quarterback right because you have you've got patrick mahomes and you've got blaine gabbard i mean why would you even think about number three after blaine gabbard but <laughs> But with John Wolford, he's a guy that he's he's competent. He's better than any third string quarterback I've seen in my 28 years of covering this team. And crazier things have happened. Uh, Baker Mayfield has has dealt with injuries before. We don't know if Kyle Trask is going to be ineffective. Uh, I think for the Buccaneers and their chances for success this year, that's not going to happen if John Wolford's on the field. But I wouldn't rule out seeing this guy on the field at some point in time. I uh, just want to give a shout out real quick to Philip Stegman. Thank you for the super chat, Philip, who says was very hot today. Seemed like it yeah. was 96 degrees. Oh. Uh, the O line was gassed by Trask. Yeah. That, that 107 that... degree feels like temperature at kickoff. Yeah. 107. That, it was brutal. That's a rough one. Uh, the last thing I'll just say about Trask and Josh, I, I'm kind of in your camp. People will point to the interception and be like, oh, how could you say he played well? Like, oh, you're defending Kyle Trask, blah, blah, blah. I really don't think Kyle Trask played that bad outside of the interception. Like, he was able to move the ball down the middle of the field, which, Josh, as you pointed out, was not what Baker did. And that's not to the fault of Baker. I mean, he went eight of nine. He clearly was completing a lot of passes. But I really enjoyed the way Kyle Trask was able to push that ball over the middle of the field. And you know what? The interception came on a pretty tough situation where it was third and long, and he really tried to thread the needle. It's very funny because all we talk about in practice is that Kyle Trask takes care of the ball and Baker is getting a little too careless and throwing all these interceptions. And then you get to the game, and 
Baker was the one that never put the ball in harm's way. And Kyle Trask had those issues here and there. And, you know, he got taken down a fair amount too. But, you know, credit to John Wolford as well for, you know, getting some drives going, obviously against a little bit of uh, different competition. But, yeah, I mean, the, this quarterback storyline is not slowing down anytime soon. And this is just merely another chapter in the whole saga. Yeah, it's not slowing down at all. And, um, you know, just kind of extrapolating out from that, with the quarterbacks having success, one of the other bright spots of, of an overall kind of abysmal day was the wide receiver play. And these are depth wide receivers because the top three guys didn't play. Mike Evans didn't play. Chris Godwin didn't play. Russell Gage didn't play. But you saw the likes of Trey Palmer making a fantastic grab in the back of the end zone among a couple other catches. You saw Devin Tompkins showing out early. You saw Kalen Geiger making some plays um, early as, or, yes. or in the second half as a wide receiver. You know, an unfortunate fumble right at the end of the game as a punt returner. Um, and then uh, David Moore, you know, showing uh, why Canales brought him over from Seattle. So a lot of receivers showing uh, that the Bucks have depth at this receiver position. And the one receiver I was really most excited to see play didn't even get a chance to play, and that's Rakeem Jarrett. Um, so, Ugh, yeah, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Yeah. So, but again, like if you're looking for bright spots, that re- receiver depth looks good. And then if you're looking for bright spots from the scheme, because that was a huge storyline all off season, the changing of the offensive coordinator, um, all of those wide receivers had plenty of opportunities for yards after catch, right? Yeah. It wasn't just they caught the ball and there was immediately somebody draped all over them. There was catch. You could make a move. You could move upfield. David Moore had this fantastic 38-yard catch and run turned yeah. into a – you'll see it on the stat line as a 23-yard catch because right. of a, it's 38. it was a face mask at the end that he, he yeah. threw. That uh, pissed me and, off so much. It was like, a nice little you, already had a thousand, you already had a thousand freaking penalties in the game. <laughs> you finally make a good yeah. play. And I'm not talking about David Moore specifically. I'm sorry, right. Bucks in general. Right. You finally make a big play, and you just had to stiff arm him. Right yep. in yep. the face mask. Yep. Well, so. it, it was just, it was kind of that way across the board, though, right? Yep. I mean, you, you, have, you had Kalen Geiger, who, you know, had a pretty good game, then fumbles on the punt return, right? You had Zion McCollum just coming off an interception, and then he forgets to, you know, contain in the run game on a touchdown. So uh, it, it just, it was one of those things where, you know, you take one step forward, two steps back, and it was, just about every position group, just, you know, offense and defense as well, whether it was penalties, whether it was uh, plays surrendered, just a very sloppy effort at all. Yeah. I clipped that McCollum uh, for the most disappointing. I clipped that the run, right. The 14 yard Anthony McFarlane run uh, that he gave up for the touchdown. And then right underneath it, I put the, basically the same exact thing that happened in Carolina last year where he failed to, to realize that he's the last man on the edge, right? You can't let the the runner get outside you. And uh, unfortunately, it does not look like Zion has learned that lesson yet. Yeah, and also, too, I, I think uh, Keenan Isaac, who's a, a rookie cornerback out of Alabama State, kind of taking that Zion McCollum track a little bit too seriously, right? Long, <laughs> tall, athletic cornerback, very small school, making a jump to the NFL. And he misses three tackles in the first quarter alone. So not a good debut. Um, you know, and Todd Bowles was asked after the game, you know, how do you fix tackling when NFL training camps are geared to not take guys to the ground? Right. And I think I think that that's 
uh, you know, this is this is old school Scott coming back uh, here, but uh, you didn't have the tackling problems that, that that are plaguing the NFL in today's age when you had two-a-day practices, when you had live tackle periods. And the cost is, okay, well, we, we want to keep guys upright and we want to keep them healthy. I get that. But at the same time, you want to be able to tackle. <laughs> like That's really important. And how are you going to simulate that if, if you just do this two-hand touch stuff, period after period, practice after practice? Uh, you're, you're not going to get good until you go live. And uh, I, I think that that I'm a little surprised because Todd Bowles is more of a, an old school coach uh, that and maybe we'll see it. Maybe we'll see it uh, Sunday and Monday. You'll see some live periods. We're supposed to have a period the other day with goal line and they, they scrapped that. Maybe they'll have some live periods with the Jets, right, with with Robert Sala up there. I'm not sure if the Jets are doing live periods or not. I got to think up in Detroit, Dan Campbell's probably doing some live periods. Yeah. But you have to do that. <laughs> you have to take some chances. And, and uh, you know, injuries can happen at any point in time. Um, we saw a, a fluke injury to Ryan Jensen that was not even like in a live period. And he yeah. tore his knee, was out for the year. So Some what's, the worst what's injuries are not in contact. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying it's like, like practice this, like play football, tackle, get guys to the ground, especially young guys. How many, how many young players did we see miss tackles tonight all across the board? So yeah, it's not going to get better until you fix it. And it's, it's, you're not going to fix it till you practice it. Yeah. There were too many missed tackles and you know, that was a theme last season as well. It's just all of the whiffs and it's immediately transitioned to at least the first preseason game of uh, this year. I want to talk a little bit more about that, but Josh, I just saw you a minute ago. You took a, a swig of something real quick and I know what you were taking a swig of keeping you up it's a celsius energy drink is that the strawberry lemonade it absolutely is oh what a fantastic flavor because there are tons of great flavors of celsius energy drinks of course the newest one that you can get right now is the cosmic vibe it's a sparkling fruit punch also sparkling lemon lime and sparkling orange is fantastic cucumber lime arctic vibe is great so many awesome different flavors uh zero sugar no uh, post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. Uh, absolutely fantastic. If you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, go to the Celsius store locator on their website. Punch in your address, and it will show you the closest geographical location to uh, find one at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, 7-Eleven, or your bodega. <laughs> bodega. <laughs> And uh, once you keep going to your bodega, you love the Celsius energy drinks that you're getting and you want more, get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can go over to Amazon, do the subscribe and save and have it sent to your house or apartment or residence uh, every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. The official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, make Celsius your number one pick. Let's get back to uh, Zion McCollum because before we were talking about a tale of two halves, it was a tale of two games for yeah, Zion. It really was. Because out of the gate, he makes – maybe not exactly out of the gate, um, but early on, um, he makes that interception. And that was what we've seen from Zion in training camp. Him just having a great amount of – Scott, I think uh, Mahanek's trying to get you in the background. I'm not sure. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he makes that interception, like great coverage on the play. This was after he was guarding George Pickens for quite a while, which right. I actually thought that was a night, even though he, he allowed the touchdown, he had great coverage on the play. I actually respected that this was a good opportunity for him to go up against a really solid wide receiver in this league. And then yeah. as soon as the Steelers brought in the backups, wham, you see the interception by Zion, everything that we saw from him in training camp, yeah. everything that Todd Bowles was trying to get out of this man when he had that conversation with them that you can read about on pewterreport.com. And then we saw the other side of Zion, the things that we noticed last season, whether it was poor gap containment, missed tackles, uh, pass interference penalty. So, guys, where are you at with Zion McCollum at this moment? Well, I think for me, he's improved during the the, the pass coverage part of his game. Um, I, I think that he's made strides there, but but it's run defense too. It's it's you, you really have to, you know, uh, you, you got to be a complete football player, right? I mean, Rondé Barber, the Hall of Famer, is was yeah. one of the best tackling cornerbacks in in NFL history at five foot ten, hundred and eighty pounds. So. It's about technique. It's about, you know, um, having the want to and, and breaking down, not leaving your feet. And um, these are things that Todd Bowles hoped would be corrected by now, and, and they just haven't. So it, it's that part of the game is frustrating. I think he's made some strides in pass coverage, but he just has not become that complete football player. Still early, right? We're not giving up on the guy yet. It's still in the preseason. And he only played in one preseason game last year. So he's going to get a lot of ex extended playing time over these next two games for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about it, one of the hardest th skills to develop, especially on the mental side, is trust, right? Trusting yeah. that your teammates are going to do their jobs. So you only have to do your job. But you see it with Zion. You've seen it with Devin White. They lack that trust of their their fellow teammates, so they end up trying to do something that's beyond their responsibility, which leads them to being out of position, and the opposing offense takes advantage of them. And until he develops that trust, um, it's going to be rough sledding. Now, I think a lot of people look at all of his physical measurables, which are off the charts, literally off the charts. He had a relative athletic score of, I want to say, 9.99 or potentially even 10.0. And they forget that he was a fifth-round pick. Right? Yeah, when you have right. that kind of athleticism and you're a fifth-round pick, there's a reason for it. And it speaks directly to the need for development. The fifth-round pick really shouldn't be counted on to be any type of contributor until really year three. So he's still got a year yeah. to go. The good news is I don't think the Bucks are really trying him in the slot, right? I don't think he's yeah. Yeah. looked at it to be that starting slot player for them at the beginning of the regular season. So he's still a depth piece as an outside corner. Um, and there's hope for him, you know, but uh, if Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean goes down, Bucks fans have every right to worry because he'd be the first man up on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, and we saw it last year with just the missed tackles, and mm -hmm. and uh, they they can be deadly because guess what, teams are going to run your way, right? When you prove that you can't stop the run, when you give up contain and give up big plays, and that happened last year against Baltimore, it happened against Carolina, and you know it it happened in this game, right? Gave up a twelve yard touchdown run to Anthony uh, McFarland, so it's something that he's got to improve, otherwise he just can't play because. 
you know, he's not Deion Sanders. He's not, nah. he's not a guy that can go out there and just shut down wide receivers and, and, eh, I'll play the run if I want to, uh, I'll let the other 10 guys make the tackle. No, you're, you're part of a Todd Bowles defense and you are expected to come up and run support it. And Jamel Dean does it. And Carlton David does Carlton Davids does it. And, and both of those guys are, are, are pretty good tacklers. And and Zion McCollum's got to join the club. And it was kind of a, a tough night overall, I would say, for the, the Bucks secondary. Outside of, like, Kedrick Whitehead had a very nice tackle, like, later in the game. We kind of already talked about Keenan Isaac. No one else yeah. really kind of stood out as a defensive back yeah. for the Bucs. Like, Chris Isian was okay. Merriweather yeah. was kind of out there. Josh Hayes, I didn't really hear his name at all yeah. until – the end when Rondé Barber was talking about him. So um, not the best showing for the, the Bucks secondary, especially on a day where like the pass rush was uh, it showed some life, I would say, but we do have a super chat, a $20 super chat from Let's Lawrence. Below. So thank you, Lawrence, who says uh, one Luke at right tackle. Not if I thought it could be at right tech. Sorry, the, not exactly sure what you're trying to say. Luke, Luke, Luke at right tackle is not it. Not it. I thought not it, it not. could be a right tackle. Luke could do it. And boy, was I wrong. Two, do you yeah. think we stash Jarrett? He may not practice this week just to keep him hidden. Any thoughts? And three, coach, uh, give me more attention to defense tonight. So yeah, I think I, 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 I don't think they're going to try to stash Jarrett. I, I, I think he, he just he got hurt a little bit. And they're being cautious about that. Uh, it's a it's a leg injury. Um, my guess is either groin or hamstring, and and you don't want to mess with with that because a slight groin or a slight hamstring injury, whatever it is, that can quickly uh, you know turn into a problem if if um, you know if, if you try to play through it. So my guess is he probably doesn't practice Sunday and Monday. Maybe they're trying to get him well to go up there to New York and, and play the Jets. Yeah. So point one, I, we talked a lot at the beginning of the show, so I won't, I won't get too much into Luke Gedeke. I, I think when the, you know, when I watch the, the tape, I think it's going to be a, a little bit more good than people realize. Um, but the bad is too low to be considered um, acceptable. And Scott, yeah. you made a really great point that they're going up against the Jets in joint practices this week. That means John Franklin Myers. That means yep. Will McDonald. There's your speed yeah. rush, right? Yep. That means Jermaine Johnson and Carl Lawson. That is yeah. a murderer's row of edge rushers. Matt, I feel like you know those names pretty well. Um, yeah. And, uh, and he's going to be tested. He is absolutely going to be tested. And as far as him giving uh, extra love to the defense, I'll just kind of use that as a segue um, to talk about another bright spot, which was Yaya Diaby. Yeah, he made some yeah. noise. He made some yeah. real noise, which was was really nice to see, showing that the Bucks pass rush maybe has a bit more depth than they did last year. Yeah, the thing, thing with Diaby that really stood out was just setting the edge, just how how forceful he was in the run game. You know, there, there was one play where I, I think it happens a lot, especially to young players, especially rookies. Right? It's like uh, you're you're beating you're beating your your guy. And you see the quarterback, and the the quickest uh, route is a straight line, right? And that's that's going inside. The problem is, quarterback's going to see that, and he's going to go outside, which is where you're supposed to be yeah. when your when your job is to is to contain the pocket. And uh, 
And I think that that's a youthful mistake that that's easily corrected. It's just, hey, I know it's so tempting to go inside. I remember like telling my Pop Warner kids this when I coached them D-line. It's so tempting because it's right there. Trust me, the quarterback is seeing you while you're seeing him. And he's like, oh, he's going inside? I'm going to loop outside. And guess what? Now, all of a sudden, he's got the sidelines, right? Especially if you got a guy like Zion McCollum who's playing cornerback, right? Now it's an easy run down the <laughs> sideline. So, so it, it just those are the little things that the Diaby has to understand is you got to do your job. You, you want to get to the quarterback. You want to make the sack and the splash play. But, but he, you tried it your way, and guess what? You missed, right? Now do it our way, the coach's way, and get to the quarterback by working outside leverage, attack that, that outside shoulder of the right tackle, you know, free him up. And if you don't get the sack, guess what? That quarterback's not going to get outside you, and maybe one of your teammates comes in and plans up. So it's a great, great learning lesson from Diaby, but certainly a great effort from him tonight. Yeah. You got to talk to Bowles as part of the post-game press conference. Did mm -hmm. anybody get a chance to ask him? Obviously, Diaby had to be seen by some of the trainers on the field, yeah. I want to say, in the second quarter. Um, yeah. Any concern from Bowles about no. what, what transpired there? He, he could have gone back in the game. We saw him. He was doing sprints with the trainers. The ankle looked fine. And he could have gone in. It just at that point in time, that's that was the time where he was supposed to leave the game. And he got enough work in, so it just worked out perfectly. That he could have gone back in if they needed him to, but that was that was his pitch count uh, as it as it stood. So he'll be fine for next week with the practices against the Jets, et cetera, and the game. But yeah, I think a really good showing by him tonight. Also, too, Anthony Nelson. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He was that the best player on the field mm -hmm. at, at the, in the first quarter for the Bucks defense. He just was. Um, just knew what he was supposed to do. Made his presence felt. Uh, it was kind of like that that big brother out there on the field because he was the only guy really on that that unit that had yeah. any type of real playing experience and playing time out there. So uh, good to see him in that role. You know, you don't want to see him as a starter. We we saw that last year, and the you know he got lucky and got home a couple times, forced some fumbles, but the pressure rate just wasn't there. Josh, you pointed that out before, but uh, I, I thought out of out of a really bad group of backups that were out there to start the game for the Buccaneer defense. He was the lone bright spot. I thought he played really well. He did. Anthony Nelson, best player on the field, music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was a great stop early on in the game. And, yeah, Yaya was very concerned. And then after the game, they show him, like, signing autographs to the fans, yeah. like, up by the thing. So that was good to see. Yeah, Yaya got in there so quickly. Then I was like, oh, no, he's, like, doing a – JTS like getting there but not finishing the play but I'll yeah. give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt with it just being it's, I'm telling you it's it's going to happen if you look at his if you look at his career at Louisville he was kind of a one year wonder he was a late bloomer he's going to be a little bit of a late bloomer in the NFL uh, it, he just he's going to get three or four sacks this year and does he have the, the the ability to get more yes he does he has the speed to power he's got the the speed to track down a quarterback from from the backside. But it's the finishing moves. I think he's going to have some similar struggles that JTS uh, has gone through. I think that the upside, I think his upside is actually higher than JTS because of the speed to power game. I think he can win with power. And I think once he learns, uh, it's, it's, it's combinations within the move, right? It's, it's taking the hard outside rush and then developing the, the, the spin stab inside, right? It's plan. When people, when, people, when people think of counters, 
they think of, oh, I'm going to set, set him up with the speed rush on, on one play. Yeah. And I'm going to come inside with, uh, you know, with an inside move on, on the next. But really, sometimes you need two moves in one rush. And I think that's the finishing move that he needs to come up with because he's got the, the bull rush down. He can hit you with power. But then can he do push-pull? Then can he do club-rip? Can he do swim off of the power once you get that, that tackle rocked back out of his stance? And that's what we haven't seen yet. But I think that's coming with, with good teaching and, and coaching and time and playing experience. Yaya is uh, really building that foundation for his NFL career. Uh, much like how people, you know, start a foundation and, and start their lives with their families by, by buying their dream home. And if you're in the Florida area and you want to uh, make sure that you get your dream home and, and the right house and the right process, you got to go to uh, Eric and Caitlin Gross and the Eric Gross Realty Group to find that. Go to www.housesinflorida.com. Eric Gross is a big-time Bucks fan, big fan of the Peter Report podcast. Uh, just came back to Tampa, living in the Cincinnati area, but um, – the cool thing about Eric and, and his group is, you know, it's more than just having like a typical realtor to, to find your home. Like they put in way more attention to detail, effort, overall, um, you know, just minute details that you wouldn't even think about. You're dealing with these realtors. Like you're actually having a legit conversation with Eric. Like we had him on the show and, you know, he could shoot the breeze about literally anything when it comes to just having a conversation. He truly cares about knowing his clients, learning what they want, what their interests are, and, you know, finding their dream home through that. So make sure you team up with the Eric Gross Realty Group, Eric and Caitlin Gross, two fantastic people and uh, also huge Bucks fans, which is a great thing to see. Yeah, it's a great website, housesinfla.com. Make sure you visit that. Check out their inventory online. It's a great website, easy to navigate. And uh, Eric Gross Group, they're going to be with you throughout your entire home ownership journey. You're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. Again, visit housesinfla.com. Have uh, another super chat. From Meets McGee says, Scott, I heard you on Sirius NFL radio this morning. I was. It was good talking with Alex Marvez and um, Rick Spielman. I had a great time uh, doing that. Uh, we do NFL Sirius radio from time to time. So it's 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 awesome. Matt Matera is actually going to be on News Channel 8 on the pregame yeah. show next next Saturday for the, yeah, the Bucks next Jets Saturday. game. Matt. Matt and uh, Adam Slavon are going to be up there covering the Bucks and Jets practices on Wednesday and Thursday, doing podcasts live up there from New Jersey. And, and then Matt's going to be on the pregame show. I was, I was on the postgame show tonight, actually going to, be, going to be on Bucks bonus Sunday night on WFLA. So watch that for my uh, analysis. I'm, I'm giving it to you right now on the podcast, but you can still watch it if you want. On News Channel 8, that's going to be 1135 on Sunday night. As we wrap this up, but Matt, you're going to be on the pregame show. Would it be fun to watch you with yeah. Dan Lucas live from the Bucks Jets game on the field? So that's going to be a great experience for you. Looking forward to that. I'm very, very excited for it. Super grateful, and uh, yeah, got my haircut today and everything. So I look there. You go. Fan for uh, the TV itself. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about this game as we start to uh, wind down 
a little bit. Um, you know, one guy that actually stood out to me later in the game, I mean, Marquise Watts getting the strip sack, I think was huge because that was yeah, something that, that was, was kind of missing good for, from the Bucks last season. So just a nice, as Todd Bowles likes to say, a nice heady play by uh, Marquise Watts. But an old dog who played a lot of the game, Will Goldston, yeah. I think proved yeah. that um, – you know, maybe he's not exactly the starter that you want on the defensive line, but he's way better than these, you know, fourth, fifth string guys that are fighting to make this team. I Shout out to Will Golson for playing the yeah. whole game and uh, being one of the few defensive linemen to really make his presence felt, uh, especially in that backfield. He did a great job collapsing the pocket. He was really playing nose tackle on that and took the center and drove him all the way back into the quarterback and was a quarter of a second away from – from you know maybe getting a sack fumble himself, uh, he's he's not you know a pass rushing defensive tackle. It was a great bull rush by Will and Cam Gill, another guy, yes. a sack and a half. He really showed up tonight, and uh, and I agree, Marquise Watts with that that strip sack. That's those are the kind of, of plays when you're out here that the coaches want to see, right? They want to see two things: don't make mistakes, and we saw a lot of that tonight with penalties and missed tackles, etc. But then make plays, right? Make us put you on this roster, make the team and you make the team by making plays. And so I, I think that that's, that's a little feather in Marquise Watts cap. And, you know, again, we've seen guys, I mean, last year, you know, who was at uh, Jared Stearns caught a touchdown in the first preseason game against the dolphins and didn't make the team. It didn't make the practice squad. It was Kalen Geiger and Devin Tompkins making the practice squad last year. So it's not how you start the preseason. It's how you finish it. And so let's see if Marquise Watts can carry over that into practice this week, get some momentum, get a little juice going for himself. And and Cam Gill, too, he's kind of been the forgotten edge rusher. We've all yes. talked about Yaya Diaby and Anthony Nelson coming back. And, of course, you've got all eyes on Shaq Barrett. Is he going to be healthy enough to play this year and, and, and get back to form? And Joe Tryon Shoinka. But Cam Gill's a guy that, let's not forget, Showed up with like four tackles in the first quarter of the preseason game against the Dolphins. He was everywhere. Yeah. Then hurt his foot and was on IR the whole year. So Cam Gill making up for lost time in this game tonight. I thought he had some pretty good rushes. Yeah. Uh, Todd Bowles said outside linebacker is going to yes. be the the hardest position for them to probably make their final roster decisions. But I'm starting to think linebacker in general because we know Levante David and Devin White are locks to make the roster. Yeah. I thought Servassier Dennis had a pretty decent game overall. Yeah. You, you talked about Watts with the strip. J.J. Russell had a interception. interception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at what point does K.J. Britt start to, you know, got some guys breathing down my neck here? Yeah. I may be worried about my, my roster spot a little bit. A lot of that I think is going to come down to special teams, and I think Britt is a solid core special teamer. But you've got a lot of linebackers who made some, some plays or played pretty decently uh, tonight. And uh, Britt, I think I saw him in on one or two plays, but overall, he didn't make a huge impact for me. I think there are some limitations physically to his game, and uh, it was nice to see those backups really show maybe there's a lot more depth to this position, and maybe they're going to make it a little bit harder on Todd Bowles and, and this defensive staff in terms of making some final roster decisions. Yeah, Britt was here and there for some plays, but when J.J. Russell is is – getting the interception in the game and obviously Sebastian Dennis has just been the guy all through he set up rookie minicamp OTAs and yeah. yeah and yeah he helped set up one of the sacks and obviously having a big training camp as well and I'm glad you brought up the outside linebacker thing with what Bowles said about it being one of the toughest positions because I mean 
over the last three years, there was two seasons the Bucks. I'm just talking about straight out of training camp into week one of the regular season. Two out of the last three years, or two of the three years, they kept five. And one year, they kept four. Now, this year, they're probably going to keep five just because of the whole Shaq Barrett element and the Achilles. But if you're already thinking about it, you got Shaq, you got JTS, Anthony Nelson. You're going to pencil in Yaya, obviously. So that's you leave like five or six guys fighting, hoping that the Bucks keep a fifth guy. But maybe if the room's that good, maybe they keep six this year just based on who can do stuff for uh, special teams. So you have a fair amount of talented players yeah. all fighting for literally one spot. So you don't only have yeah. to like stand out. You have to like stop and break the ground that you are standing on to really find a spot on this roster just to maybe dress on game day. It's kind of crazy when yeah. you think about it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and special teams is going is going to come down to that too. It's like he, you know, Marquise Watts flashed tonight, but can he run down and cover kicks, right? Can right. he can he uh, uh, be effective on punt coverage, right? Those are the things that when you look at, at the, the Bucks' final roster, you know, guys 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, those are going to be the guys that Keith Armstrong says, I need those guys because they cover or they're my gunner or, you know, uh, they, they block extremely well on punts and then they can run down and make a tackle. So th those – those plays on fourth downs are just as important for some of those guys fighting for the last spot on the depth chart as what they do on offense or defense. So it's going to come down to special teams for that. Uh, meets McGee against Sue stole Cam sack in, in uh, the Super Bowl. I think he had half a sack, right? He did he have half, half a sack. sack. Yeah. So yeah, he got half and Sue got half. So we're excited uh, to bring back a very popular segment to our post-game coverage again this year. And that is uh, a little segment that we, we did in years past, and we're doing it again. It's called Game Balls, presented by Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. That's right. Let me do this Manscaped read, then we'll get to who actually got the Game Balls. Today, we're here you know, with a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like babies, your little delicate guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's platinum package comes in from razors to shower care. This package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at manscaped.com and use the promo code pewter 20 for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, this Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. And that's you, fellas. This package is designed to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with Elite products. Go inside the Platinum Package. You're going to find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear, hair and nose trimmer, the Ultra Premium Body Wash, the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo, and conditioner, the ultra premium deodorant, the crop preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant, crop reviver, ball spray toner, anti-chafing boxers, and the shed travel bag to hold all your goodies while you're traveling. Folks, there's so much stuff that you're going to get inside the Platinum Package 4.0. I could read this. I could read it for three or four more minutes here. But the biggest thing is you don't want ball fro, do you? No, you don't. We're going to get to the game balls. Here's what you need to do. You need to go to manscaped.com. Save 20% off your purchase and get free shipping by using Pewter20 
as the promo code. That's 20% off plus free shipping when you get the, the platinum package uh, or any of the items there. At manscaped.com, use the promo code Pewter20 to save money. That's it right there, Pewter20. All right, let's let's uh, let's start with our game balls here. Uh, Matt, you go first. All right. Um, I'm going to go with a wide receiver Trey Palmer. I mean, his touchdown catch was incredible. I don't know how he stayed in bounds on it. When Baker first threw it, I honestly thought it was going out of bounds, just the way that it came out. But, I mean, you saw why the Bucks coaches love Trey Palmer. Everyone knows about his speed, but he brings that much more to it. And his body control on that play to come down with the touchdown, tie the game up at the moment, um, tied for the team lead with four receptions, only 33 yards, but obviously not a bad first game uh, in the preseason for Trey Palmer. So a highlight real touchdown. Uh, not too many great moments for the Bucks in this game, especially offensively, but that was one of them with Trey Palmer making the catch. All right, Josh, who is uh, your who's getting your game ball tonight presented by Manscaped? I mean, is it really any question? Six punts, Marta. three inside the 20, one touchback, averaged almost 47 yards per punt. The man, the myth, the legend. Your future all-pro and pro bowler, one Mr. Jake Camarda, gets my Manscaped game ball. And boy, am I glad Manscaped is back because I yes. love these reads. <laughs> They're good. Yeah. Um, I try not, to, I try not to, to read them until I do it the first time. Oh, so it's you get so my great. instantaneous, uh, you know, trying not to, uh, to crack up um, <laughs> response. So uh, my game ball presented by Manscaped uh, tonight, um, you know, I, I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I wrote on my SRS Fab Five today. Uh, it's it's going to take some big balls. And I said guts, but I meant balls. It's going to take some big balls for Todd Bowles to not start this guy in week one. And I know Ira Kaufman's already come out and said he's going to be the starter. That has not been decided yet, folks. It just hasn't. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you the truth but as i wrote about in the fab five it's gonna take a lot to happen in the preseason There's only two more games left for kyle trask to unseat baker mayfield is as the starter up there in in minnesota and the thing about May baker mayfield tonight was i thought he was in command of the offense um he said that he had to do a better job with some of the checks on running plays check to better runs but he walked off the field with Dave Canales and those two were just kind of like joined at the hip tonight from what I saw when Baker was not in the game. And I, I think this guy's going to be your opening day starter just because you're, you're taking a big risk. If you're, if you're Todd Bowles and you're, if you're going to start Kyle Trask up there in a sold out USA bank stadium with 73,000 people going skull, you know, it, it's a loud raucous environment. I think you have to give the guy with the experience the benefit of the doubt and give him the start up there. And we'll see. There's still, you know, a couple of weeks of training camp left. The Jets joint practices, two preseason games. But that Baker Mayfield for getting a touchdown drive on the board and, and being efficient in the passing game wasn't too flashy. Didn't test the middle of the field. That's not really his jam. He likes going outside the pocket and working down the, the, the sidelines. 
I thought he he did a, a good, reasonable job, and I'm anxious to see how he can build on his performance next week in uh, in New York. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very exciting. I thought Baker, as he said, uh, first first test for him. I he definitely passed it, but there's definitely yeah. a long way to go as well. I wasn't. So, I don't think he did this without without Chris and Mike too. You know, yes, exactly. Going to Trey Palmer and you know, and, and Devin Tompkins. Yeah, you know? no Russ either. So. And Russ and no Russ, no Russell Gage either. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that you give him those weapons, give Caltrass those weapons, and it's going to be a different story next week when the Bucks play the Jets. I think we're going to see Mike yeah. and Chris suit up and actually take the field. Or at least especially in, in practice as well with those joint yeah. practices. Mike Evans against Sauce Gardner. I, I'm already That's going to be good stuff, man. It's going to be great. Be uh, great. One last thing before we get out of here. I think Trey Palmer might be the starting kick returner. He looked pretty, pretty good. He struggled yeah. in practice at returning, but he looked pretty good in the game. Uh, I think looked better than Devin Tompkins just from a return standpoint. So yeah. uh, that'll still be ongoing, but um, like what I saw from Trey Palmer, early yeah. on and if you liked what we put out on pewterreport.com and all of our social media please follow us um on uh twitter also now known as x instagram facebook and threads we're all at pewter report and our youtube channels pewter report tv please like and subscribe to our youtube channel we got tons of content always coming out in various different forms so please follow us on all our social media channels but that's going to do it for us this night right before midnight yep so or josh here, here, yep. here's the here's i'll say here's the setup tomorrow we got a todd bulls press conference it's gonna be yeah. virtual so we'll report on that we'll have full post game coverage on pewterreport.com sunday there's a bucks practice there's not going to be a podcast until monday matt and i will be on on monday doing roll call at 4 20 so make sure you join us on monday we'll talk about sunday's practice and also monday's practice yeah. And uh, and then we'll have another podcast on Tuesday. And then it's off to actually uh, we, we marry. Well, I'll be traveling Tuesday, Tuesday if You'll you want to. Yeah. yeah, we'll <laughs> do a podcast on Tuesday. Matt and Adam Slavon are traveling up to New York. And then Wednesday and Thursday, they're going to be live from New York with uh, the Bucks uh, Jets joint practice wrap ups. Yep. And then the game on Saturday, there, yeah. there will be a uh, post game podcast as well. So that's going to do it for us until Monday for Josh Capo, for Scott Reynolds. I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you on Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Out. Out. Wrap up.